Welcome back to another episode of Five Questions with Frank Menger, a podcast born out of a quest to change the perception of what we see on social media. Life is not all about models, bottles, boats, jets, fashion, and people showing off stacks of cash. I'll bring you interviews with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and others who will share their origin stories and lessons that shape them. Each show will give you a look into the lives of people just like you that have achieved success, even though the odds were stacked against them. People who you can relate to, who have been where you have been, and who are now where you might aspire to be someday. Joining the show today is Jordan Mendoza, a sales and leadership trader with over 25 years experience. We talk about his encounters with adversity and how they've helped him live a life of gratitude and positivity and how seeing others go through adversity has changed his perception. What's up peeps? My guest today is Jordan Mendoza. He's a sales and training professional with over 25 years experience, currently working for a national property management firm as their training and development manager. He's the host of the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast, and he's an MBTI certified practitioner. We're gonna learn all about that today, and we're also gonna learn about Jordan, who is a father of five. So he's got some stories to tell, and I'm really excited to get into it. Jordan, thanks for being on, man. Hey, Frank, it's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. You bet. So before we get into this, one of the, the things I love to do is really just start off and, and let you connect with the audience and give us a, a day in the life of Jordan, who you are and what makes you tick. Awesome. Well, uh, currently a day in the life, you know, as Frank mentioned, I'm a father of five. Our youngest is uh, a month old. So a, a current day in the life for me is not a lot of sleep, right? But try, <laughs> trying to figure out how to muster up the energy to uh, be a guest on an awesome show like this and, and do my full-time corporate role and, and host a podcast, right? So I'm, I'm hustling and I'm grinding. You know, I look, at, I look at this pandemic as an opportunity, not as a, you know, there, there are terrible things, right? I don't, I don't want to, you know, say that there aren't terrible things that have happened, but I really look at it as a big opportunity to use the extra time that you're saving. Like for me, I'm not driving to the office. I get to sit to come down into my basement, you know, into a quiet place and work. And so that saves me probably four hours a day. So I choose to invest that four hours into growing as a person, investing in my family uh, and really trying to make that time useful. And so if, if you're right now listening to this episode and, and you have thought that COVID has, has maybe been a negative situation, shift your perspective a little bit and say, what can I do with this extra time that I have? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I like to talk about an attitude of gratitude. And I think, yeah, you, you, there are terrible things going on across the nation and across the globe, but really looking at, okay, what, what do I have to be thankful for? And how do I, how do I turn some of this darkness into light? So love that, love that attitude. And, um, and, that, and that's why you're on today, because I know that you're going to share a lot of that with the audience. So, so how did you get started? How, how did you get to where you are today? I know you got a pretty interesting backstory. Uh, so I'd love to share that with the, with the audience and let them connect that way because I feel like that's really important. Uh, your journey hasn't been a straight line. Uh, you've had some ups and downs. So give us, give us some context there to how you got to, to be who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm not the person I am today without the two people that have been influential in my life. And that was my mom, uh, God rest her soul. She lived to be 54 years old, but you know, her, her journey, um, you know, almost didn't even begin, 
You know, it's, it's a very, it's a very crazy story. In 1957, Los Angeles, California, my grandmother was actually raped. A terrible thing, terrible situation to happen. In January of 1958, my mom was born and, and she was born with one lung. And I'm not sure how much you know about the 50s, but the technology was nowhere near uh, where it is today. And so they essentially told my grandmother, your, your daughter will probably live to be 18. Um, she definitely won't be able to have any kids. And when I tell you my mom was a fighter, she was a fighter. She lived to be 54 years old. And these were a, a hard fought 54 years with oxygen, right? Because she, she couldn't breathe without that. Um, and, you know, dealing with different ailments and going in and out of the hospital throughout that time. But she also ended up having five boys. So she took that, you know, that hand that she was dealt and she said, you know what, you, you, this is what you gave me, but I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to live my life and be positive. Uh, she taught me how to be empathetic. Uh, she taught me about sports. If you can, uh, Frank can see behind me, I'm a big sports fan. That all came from, from mom. She figured out ways to get us involved. To, she, she was the side hustle queen before side hustles existed. She would go to bingo. She would go to the dog races. She did anything to make sure she could provide for us. Um, and and so that was really mom, and that was a big influence on me. Um, my dad um, was actually a Philippine immigrant, um, came to the Philippines um, you know, in the early 80s, but he had grew up you know, working in the rice fields. And um, you know, I don't know if you've been to a rice field, Frank, but they're very itchy. You know, it's, yeah. You're standing in a lot of mud, and his only helper was a caribou. Right, that that could actually help him do this work, and so he he had a hard fought journey. Went to the Philippine army, and then he went to became a seaman, and he sailed around the world on ships, painting ships. And one day, he decided to come to the U.S. for the American dream. Um, got a job at a landscaping company, worked there a couple of years, and now he's had his business for over forty years. Right, I mean, this is just crazy. And so when I met him, unfortunately, it didn't happen until I was twelve. So that's tough, right? When you when you don't meet you know, a person and especially someone that's from a different country, right? So you don't know about your heritage or your ancestry. So, you know, flying out to meet him for the first time when I was 12, it was interesting. I lived in Oregon, he lived in DC and here I am at 12 years old going across the country. Of course, TSA didn't exist back then, right? It wasn't, you know, you didn't have to go through all the security. So you could literally walk people to the gate. I'm sure you, you remember that Frank, you um, walking right into the airport. It was, it was, it was awesome. But I, I remember, landing and getting there and meeting my dad for the first time and you know really being interested in learning about what he does and and I remember like waking up the next day and and not seeing him because he was already out to work right and that's that's something that set the tone for me when it came to work and that summer I worked my tail off I had to you know, do transplanting, weeding, uh, you know, I had to cut people's lawns and it really taught me how to, how to work hard. And so you combine those, those two people and that's where uh, a lot of, you know, my personality comes from, you know, I, I really care about the impact on people. I'm big into sports. I like to work hard. You know, I like to get in the mud and, um, and that's just a little bit about my story. But, uh, but Frank, one thing I wanted to share with your audience, because, you know, I'm a big believer that, um, for one, our stories aren't for us. Um, they're for us to share with others in hopes that they would be inspired to maybe think about something differently or do something differently. Uh, and for two, one thing that I've learned in my, in my short 39 years of life is that adversity actually uh, gives us strength. 
right? Adversity actually helps strengthen us for the battles that we, we don't even know we're going to face down the road. And so I want to share with you, Frank, three pivotal moments, right? These are three pivotal things that happened to me between fourth grade and 19 years old. And I hope that these stories will um, give people uh, inspiration to know that you can really battle anything that you want to if you if you put your mind to it so fourth grade picnic frank portland oregon pier park i remember it like it was yesterday we were having a fourth grade uh, end of the year celebration i don't know why i could see fifth grade right i could see eighth grade but i don't know why we did it in fourth grade but we're at the park we're playing baseball i, I remember i was up to bat I, I did. I was a big Kirby Puckett fan back in the day. You know, I loved his his stance, right when he was hitting the ball. I remember swinging. I remember spinning around, right, like they like they do in the movies. And the bat flies under a, a big Douglas fir tree. So I I go over. I pick up uh, the bat. I stand up, and there is a beehive on top of my head. And I'm talking like the like the cartoon style honeycomb, you know, beehive on my head. So I'm I'm running, Frank. I'm running towards people. There's kids running away from me. I'm doing somersaults and handsprings. I'm trying to get these bees off of me. I finally I start running towards teachers. Some of them run. Not very good teachers, Frank. <laughs> I get to the good teachers. They actually dump coolers on top of my head and they just start picking bees off of me. Ended up getting stung 53 times. Whoa! Now listen. If I was allergic, my friend, we wouldn't be having this conversation. For sure. You know? um, but yeah, so that was pivotal moment number one. Um, and pivotal moment number two happened in seventh grade. Uh, we had moved, folks. You know, we, we grew up poor. Uh, you know, I mean, we were really poor. I mean, I, I thought that the pink lunch tickets, everybody had them. I didn't, I didn't find out till later on, till about high school that like that meant we were, we didn't have any money, you know, um, because I still got to score pizza like the other guys did, right? <laughs> Mine was just free, you know? Um, but yeah, so we were on welfare, food stamps, um, you know, and we moved between birth and 14, at least 14 times, you know? So, so it's funny because I've moved a lot of, as I've been older and I thought about it, I was like, that's why it's a, I feel okay, because it was, it was a natural thing. We were moving. So we just moved to a new town. I begged my mom. I said, Mom, I don't want to go to a new school. I've gone to school with these guys since kindergarten. Like, at least let me do my seventh grade year here. So she, I convinced her. She went on the bus route with me. I had to take two public buses to school just for seventh grade. So she took the route with me one day. Um, the, the bus went. It stopped at a 7-Eleven. From the 7-Eleven, I caught a different bus and that would take me to school. And so I was on that route one day. Um, it was, you know, in the fall. I'm sitting there at, at the 7-Eleven and uh, I did one routine, Frank. This is the only routine I had. I would walk in 7-Eleven. I would say hi to Rose, the lady at work there. I would go to the Mortal Kombat 2 arcade game and I would play. And I would usually, I'd be Raiden. Sometimes I'd be Baraka and I'd just be, I'd just be jamming out against the computer. It was just me and, and the game. And when one day I was playing the game, I hear the chimes, the bells of the store ring and um, somebody walks in. It was a male's voice that shouted, Hey, Daniel. And of course I'm, I'm Jordan. I'm not Daniel. So I didn't respond. I'm just playing my game. And all of a sudden I feel my body being lifted. I'm thrown against the Terminator two pinball machine next door. I'm getting punched by a male officer in my sides and my ribs. I get thrown on the ground. I get handcuffed. And I get taken to a police car. The lady Rosa in the store is yelling. She's like, that's his name's Jordan. I know his mom. They're like, you be, be quiet. We're going to arrest you too. It was, it was insanity. And my saving grace, Frank, is I told the officer, I said, listen, 
my name is Jordan Mendoza. Check, please check my jacket pocket. I have my homework in there. It was probably the only, one of the only days I did my homework, Frank. <laughs> but I remember I had it in my right pocket of my jacket. When I tell you, Frank, the officer reached his hand in that pocket, pulled out the homework, and his, in his face, brother, he, he looked like he saw a ghost mm. because he knew he had messed up. They were looking for a Hispanic runaway, okay. right? Uh, for one, I'm, I'm not Hispanic. I know that I, I look at, you know, a, mo- a lot of people confuse me with it just because of my complexion and, and the way that I look. And, you know, Phil- my dad's from the Philippines. Spain colonized there for several hundreds of years. So there's a chance there's, uh, you know, Spanish blood in my lineage, but I'm not Hispanic. But they, I mean, it was a racially profiled thing. It was a false arrest. And that was pivotal moment number two. Mm-hmm. Um, Pivotal moment number three, fast forward to 19 years old. I had been doing sales. I, I'd started sales at 14. I'd been grinding, doing all these different business-to-business sales jobs. And I was working for a company in California. We were going to open a satellite office in New Jersey. And so we uh, you know, get our cars together. We got a caravan of three cars. We, we take the scenic route. You know, we're young. We, we go into Salt Lake City and to Phoenix and Vegas. And we make our way up to I-80, which crosses the country. It goes through Wyoming. And we're on this drive, Frank, and it and it's late. Um, and I'm in the cool truck. Um, and, and I'll tell you uh, here in a little bit why it was the cool truck. But I'm in a truck. There's two other cars behind us. Um, my buddy, Jeremy, was driving. Well, he at some point, I had fallen asleep already, but he falls asleep at the wheel. He wakes up. He overcorrects and hits the gas instead of the brake. We start sliding at 70 miles an hour, and the truck just starts flipping. And I wake up during the slide and I remember putting my hands up and I just remember yelling, holy sh!" like three times. And then boom, the truck came to a land. Our, our buddy that was driving, not in the vehicle. He had gotten ejected and he landed 25 yards on the other side of the highway. Our only saving grace was that some off-duty EMTs, um, they, they were coming from a conference. They had happened to, to see us all on the side of the road and they had called in the ambulance and our, our buddy got life flighted. Um, he, he was looking bad, you know, didn't, didn't look like he was going to make it. Um, I got, uh, I didn't even realize I was hurt. There was so much adrenaline, but I reached on my right leg. I had to cut a fist deep. My hand actually went in my leg. It was, it was nasty. And I had this terrible smell of iron. If you've ever smelled a lot of blood before, it's very ironous uh, with, with the scent. And I remember, you know, getting rushed to the hospital and yelling at the guys because they were driving so fast, but they wanted to get, they wanted to get, they didn't know the extent of the injuries. Um, and then I remember waking up the next day and uh, my buddy Brandaris is sitting next to me. He was in one of the, one of the other cars. Um, and I remember saying to him, uh, you know, hey, listen, I'm, I'm glad it was me. I'm glad it wasn't you. And the reason why that's so powerful is Brandaris and I got into an argument, a heated battle somewhere in Utah. We were battling on who's going to get to ride in the green truck, who's going to get to ride in the cool truck. And I remember winning that battle. And I'm glad that I did, man, because I think about that moment a lot. And what if Brandaris was in the truck? And what if he wasn't sitting the way I was sitting? And what if he would have had a seatbelt on? I didn't. Maybe he wouldn't have made it. So maybe, maybe I was supposed to be there yeah. at that moment, you know? And I, I love to share these stories, Frank, because these are, these are pivotal moments that for me, it, it, it really has opened my eyes to what real adversity is. Because I, I tell you, Frank, 
I've been through those three things and I still don't feel like I've faced the adversity that my mom faced, mm-hmm. you know, and that gives me a, a beautiful, beautiful perspective um, and, and lens to look at life through. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you, just you threw a lot at us there, which was really helpful because it kind of understands. Um, I worked with a, and I worked, I don't know if you know, Mary Henderson. Um, she, she's active on LinkedIn. I worked with Mary and Mary helped me, kind of break down things. And one of the things she said was that, you know, kind of birth to 20, there's things that go on in that time frame that kind of shape who you are from, you know, 20 to, to where you're at today. So, so I think you kind of hitting those three, touching on those, those three instances there, where we're like, as you mentioned, pivotal in your life. I think that's, yeah, those things there, as you look back on them and also as you self-reflect, it's like these, these things help, you know, we're part of what shaped you today. I mean, obviously having, having a pretty awesome mom, you know, your mom did what it took. So you learn from your mom that she, yeah, she had kind of the odds stacked against her, but she provided and, and she, she made it work no matter what. And uh, our moms are kind of similar in that fashion. And then you, you got your dad who like you said, you didn't meet him until you were a little older, but that you did get that time with him. You did get to relationship build. So it wasn't all, you know, sometimes people are on the flip side of it. We're like, Oh, my dad, he's not in my life or the negativity. You had that gap there, had the chance to connect with him really built. And and you look back and obviously have some, some respect for your dad there who built the business. Again, another person who did what it takes to, to build and something that he has on his own. So it's, it's almost, it's impossible to not take the, the parenting aspect of what you've been exposed to and then the other things that have gone on in your life and say, hey, you know, I've, I've, you have faced the adversity. Yeah, when people look at it like, wow, this, this dude's a, an overcomer. And, and you're, you have the positivity too. You're using this not as a crutch but to your advantage. And, and I think that that's something that people really need to understand is that we all have this you know, backstory. We all have things we went through. Some of it is, you know, some of it's worse than others, but I think it's what we do and how we take of it. And we use these things as kind of a, a springboard or a launching pad to say, okay, it happened, but, but how do I, how do I move forward and how do I keep making progress? And, and, and you've done that. So really, really, uh, really powerful stuff there. And, 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 and an awesome story to, to who you are today. Your, your mother, I mean, you guys had a basketball team. You had a team of five there, and now you had – was it your aspiration where you and your wife, like, we're going to have five kids? I mean, it's pretty cool that you've also got five of your own. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's So when I actually met my wife, another crazy story, um, you know, she, she wasn't supposed to have kids. My mm-hmm. wife wasn't. You know, just from, from some things that, um, that happened when she was younger, as the doctors told her, like, you're not going to be able to have kids. So, so when we started dating at first and, uh, you know, having those, having some conversations, it was, she was like, yeah, I'm not, and I was like, you know, I'd really love to have them, but if you can't, you know, I'd, I care about you, you know, and so we, and then all of a sudden he, she gets pregnant and I, and I remember being like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second didn't you tell me you know like i'm glad that we're having a kid but didn't you tell me and she's like no that's that's what's supposed to happen so you know i feel like all of our kids are are miracle babies right like when you're told your whole life you're not going to be able to have kids and all of a sudden you know you fast forward you know 15 years later you, you've had five you know so that that right there my friends is, is a story in itself and and you know kids are kids are a blessing because uh we learn so much from them you know like all like 
all of my kids are so different in their personalities and it's, it's fun being able to see how they grow in not just from like day to day, but like week, week to week, I think is big, right? Especially when they're in school and they're, and they're soaking up so much information. Um, and then sometimes they come home and they want to share too much of it. Right. And, and as a parent, you gotta, you have, you have to really put on that, that hat and, and pay attention because some of the things that they tell us, I think, teach us lessons that uh, we need to really learn, you know? Let's, let me ask you this here. So you've got, you, you've helped share your story that you've got five kids. I think your, your youngest now is what going on five weeks and you got a, a son that's uh, 15. Yep. Okay. And then you're yep. going to be 40 this year or did you, did you just turn 39 this 40, year? I'm going to be 40 in February. Yep. Okay. So you'll, yep. so you'll be c- c- coming up on 40. Um, up on 40. You, you built a, a successful career now with a national organization and, and really have a lot of responsibility working with other individuals. Um, you, you do, you, you know, you're, you're certified Myers-Briggs uh, practitioner and then also just having the, having the, the backstory that you have, and, and really being the, the, the positive person that you are, what, um, what advice would you give to someone tuning in? Oh, I want to throw in the fact that you've built a successful career um, and you didn't graduate, you graduated high school, but you, you didn't go to college. So I feel like I want to point that out there because a lot of people are like, you got to, you have a degree, you have some kind of specialty. That's might be where I, why you've had the success or why you overcome. So like to just, shine on that for a minute because I feel like there are people if you didn't if, if you didn't graduate if you didn't go to college or you started college college wasn't for you that's that's okay there's nothing wrong with that so so you've 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 shown um, the way that you can have that progress what what advice would you give to anyone tuning in that that might be stuck in a rut might be you know kind of the woe is me mentality or think that the, the deck is stacked against them there's no overcoming it yeah. So my, my honest advice is find out what your strengths are, you know, because that's, that's what I, I knew I didn't want to go to college. Like before I even finished high school, I just, I just knew that that wasn't for me because I, I actually, I didn't enjoy learning, learning in that way. I, I prefer learning through experience. So I knew that I always wanted to do sales and eventually business and then eventually become an entrepreneur. Like I, I just knew that from a young age and I knew that, um, I would probably have to work harder in some aspects, but also getting good at sales, you know, my experience plus my sales ability, like ability to market myself would probably also give me an advantage over people that, you know, maybe had degrees, right? Because, you know, you, you put in experience into the mix, right? If I have five years experience in sales and someone's a fresh graduate, would you want someone that's five years experience, like in the field, hearing no's all day long and being successful at it or someone that has never heard the word no in their life, you know? So if, if you're listening and you, and you don't have a degree and you know that that's not the route you go, uh, I'm going to recommend a book, okay? It's called Clifton Strengths. It used to be Strengths Finders 2.0. Um, this book is amazing. It actually, you take an assessment in the very back of the book, you cut it open, you'll go to the website, you'll take an assessment and it's going to populate, populate your top five strengths. Okay. And then, and it's going to give you a breakdown on what each of these strengths means uh, and, and how this can actually, uh, if used the right way, um, can be used to your advantage, right? Because everybody has strengths and we all have weaknesses. But if you actually focus on your weaknesses, your strengths aren't getting the attention that they need, 
right? And so your strengths can actually start, start to fade away a little bit. But if you actually focus on the areas that you're good at, not the areas that you're weak, right? And I know this is contrary to popular belief in most parents, right? Like you got an F, like let's, let's focus on the F. But what if you focused on the A, right? What if you focused on the grades that, you're, that, that your kids are good at? Or what if you focused on the areas that you have strengths in and you built those up and then you went into the field that those would be most complimentary to? Complimentary to? Does that make sense? So um, I think investing in your strengths, finding out what they are, being self-aware of what your strengths are is, gonna, is going to definitely help you, especially if you know that maybe the college route isn't for you. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm with you there and I highly recommend, uh, the, I, I took, um, it's different now, but the Clifton strengths, uh, 34, I'm an achiever, ideation, learner, command, and input. So those are my five, uh, top strengths there. So big, and, and I'm that type of person too. I, I'm a, a big fan of investing in yourself and betting on yourself. So, so that's solid advice there and, and totally couldn't agree more. Um, I'm the, I'm the, so, so love the advice there. Um, again, you, you work with a lot of people, you know, you do the, the Myers-Briggs, you get to, to, to work kind of really closely with individuals as doing that. Uh, but over time, you work, working in, um, with Gables and doing the training that you do, you probably see a lot of different spectrums of personality. Um, and then maybe help people realize some things that, you know, through interacting with them and being a leader, kind of where, where they might be, th things they, they might be misconceptions. So I feel like if you can share maybe a common misconception or something where you see, you know, I see people thinking this all the time. And if I could change it, I would, because I feel like there's a, there's a, whatever that impediment that might be with people. So if there, if there is something that maybe you see where you're like, hey, if I could change this, um, if Jordan had the power to, you know, pop and there it goes, it'd be, it'd be changed. What, what might that be? I really think it's the, the perception that, you know, you are what you are, right. And you can't be flexible, you know, because that's, that's the thing with, with Myers-Briggs, you know, even as a certified practitioner, I tell people all the time, you are way more than your type right? Your type is a small percentage of yeah. what you are and it's, and it's a great tool to use, right? To, to give yourself a baseline and to take that introspective look at yourself, right? Because for me, and I'll break, I'll break down what all these mean. So I am an ENFP, right? So that means I'm, uh, I prefer extroversion, right? I'm, I, I get my energy from the outer world versus an introvert that gets their energy from the internal world, right? Introverts prefer they would rather sit at home and read a book than go out and grab some coffee, right? So there's, those are kind of the two differences. So um, the N is, it actually is an I, but it, they, they use it as an N. It's intuition. They're using the N from the word intuition. So I'm an intuitive type. So I like to think big picture. I think outside of the box. I can't, you know, I, I don't like to be pigeon, pigeonholed in, as far as my thoughts are concerned. I, I like to have that creativity. Um, and then F is, stands for feeling. And so as feelers, you know, we care about the impact on people. It's why I was really terrible at firing somebody because I was like, man, like, how are they going to feed their family? You know, what, what are they going to do next for money? You know, and versus the opposite that of a, a thinker, which would be more like, well, they didn't do their job. You know, they just, they, they should have followed the rules, you know, and then they wouldn't have got fired. Right. So, so that's the F and then the P 
right? The P is perceiving and perceiving types. We're just very um, spontaneous. You know, I could today be like, Oh, I want to go to, I want to go to Canada and just start driving there, you know? And, and I'd be fine. Even if I didn't have the backpack pack, like I could just go. And then on the opposite end of that, the judges are the people that um, they need things in order. They need a plan. They need things to be systematic and scheduled. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I think they, when you can understand these, these principles about you, right? These natural inborn tendencies. And again, these are preferences. These are, these are how we prefer to show up in the world, but it doesn't mean we get to show up that way all the time because Frank, and you'll get this. If you're married, sometimes you got to be flexible, right? Sometimes I've got to be less spontaneous and more on the schedule because I, I prefer to stay married, right? So you, you have to be able to flex. And so that's, that's the biggest thing for me is wishing more people knew that, listen, it's okay to flex. Mm-hmm. Now, is flex flexing hard? Absolutely, because you're stepping outside your comfort zone. But is flexing necessary? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey it was, since you kind of went on that and brought that up, I feel like the, the investment in yourself, the finding about really about who you are, because people do struggle with it. I struggled with it uh, back when I, and that's why um, I actually hired, uh, I don't know if, again, someone from LinkedIn, Kurt Mercadante, I hired years ago, um, and he's a Gallup Strength Certified Coach. I found him and was like, hey, man, I, I struggle with my strengths and really kind of maximizing that. And it was great to go through the whole exercise because I'm like, all right, this all makes sense. This is why I do these things that I do. This is why I act the way that I do because finding out about yourself, sometimes you're like, you think that you know you um, and, and you kind of understand things, but really digging deep into the reasoning of why you act that way and kind of understanding it. So love how, and, and you mentioned it perfectly. These are, you have these traits, you have these strengths, uh, and, but, but also some of the ways and how you act are, are, are going to be different based on the circumstance that you're in. And like you said, Hey, I want to stay married. So these, you know, I'm not going to just go drop everything I want to do and go skydiving today. Um, so again, there's, there's just some of those things in there that you, you, you do adapt to. And I, I, I feel like you and I, 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 whether I read it somewhere or saw it in a con- post or content or something along the ways, but I, I'm someone who's like, it's easy to be me. Like you, this is Frank, you're getting Frank, yeah. no matter what, I'm the guy that you see, whether it's behind a camera, on audio, in person, this is me. And, 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 and I feel like that's people, people don't get that. People feel like I got to be a certain person here. I got to be a certain person here and I got to be a certain person here. And, and you don't. Uh, and I feel like you, you talked about, you know, how you act, how you present yourself. Um, those things are extremely important. And, and I think, you know, you're, Kind of a, a good obviously you're a good people reader so I think you could sniff out BS pretty easily so so how how important is it you know and hearing it from instead of me trying to you know explain it for you how, how important do you think it is for people to just show up and be them um, because I feel like that's again something else that people are like I go to work and I'm this person and I come home and I'm that person and and, and maybe they're doing it wrong yeah, honestly, Frank, it's, I think that's the unlock, right? That's the unlock to, for you to be the happiest, right? Because um, I was on a, a podcast recently and I, I told him, I said, listen, it's, it's very hard to be somebody else. Mm. Uh, I think I've tried it as, you know, as a teenager, like try to be this cool guy or try to be this or that. And it's exhausting, you know, <laughs> like it's an exhausting place to be. Um, and being yourself, it's, it's actually easy. 
because you you know you right you know how you show up and like you said like i'm the, i'm that same way if you come see me at kroger or see me at the gym or you know at the park playing basketball i'm i'm the same exact person and that's the only way i know how to be right once i figured out that like you have to show up as your real self because guess what? People relate to you. They're not going to relate to you if you show up this way on this podcast. The next podcast, you show up another. You know what I'm saying? Like you're all these different people. Like, no, you have to be that same person 24 hours a day. Mm. So, so 2020, we were talking before we went live here, um, not only about your son, your 2020 has been a year that he'll look back and remember. I think 2020 is a year we're all going to look back and remember. And this is going to be you know, a lot has changed all across the world. Uh, been eye-opening for so many people, and there's been changes and adapting and pivoting and all these things. So, one of my favorite parts of the show is really to give my guests a chance to you know, pontificate and, and, and glimpse out into the future. And, and from your perspective, you know, where where are we going in, in, in you know, five, you know, maybe even ten years from now? Where where do you see us going, and, and how do you see things changing? Uh, honestly, Frank, I see in five to 10 years, me waking up, going into my living room and saying, TV, what's my schedule like today? And my TV coming on and it popping up all the Zoom meetings that I have. And then me going, you know, downstairs into my gym, working out, coming upstairs and then doing my Zoom meetings from my living room. Right. <laughs> like, you know, and then, I mean, I think that, um, voice is gonna, is gonna skyrocket, right? Voices is, is it's in a lot of places now, but I think in the next five or 10 years, it's, we're going to see a big uh, lift in it. And someone's going to get smart and upload these Zoom app natively into TVs, right? So that we can start having these meetings from the largest screen in our house versus the smallest screen in our house. I mean, if you follow the trends and you have watched some of the movies that have given us a depiction of the future, that's coming. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're too far away from, from some of those things happening. Yeah, I, I agree. I, when, we, when we were younger, and I'm, I'm 42, so you're not far behind me, but growing up and watching the Jetsons, um, I feel like it was, they had flying cars and all this stuff, and it's like, that's going to be us. You know, my dad, you know, my mom, you say, when, when you're older, when you're our, our age, you know, there's things are going to be different, and, and things are different, but I feel like the last five to seven years have been exponentially fast, like just so much faster than it ever was for anyone that came before us. So I feel like looking at it, like you just, you got a five year, five week old son, right? You have a son. Yep. Your son, like that, when he's 15, 16, it's like gonna be like crazy. Like my eight year old daughter with AI and with all the advanced, like you said, voice and all these new technologies, I feel like things are going way faster and people, People do need to adapt. I feel like there's a, this is the time for ideas too. People who have something like, oh wow, this is a great idea. Like it's time. These ideas are flourishing now more than ever. Um, so I'm with you. I feel like um, being being home, be, being you know kind of secluded and being forced to stay home. People's brains are thinking, okay, how is it? Is this the new norm? If it is, how is it going to change things for for the worker of the future? Um, for convenience. So yeah, so I t totally agree there. I feel like there's going to be you know a change to to make things. We're an instant gratification society. Yeah. You know, and Frank, bro, I'm so disappointed, man, that we don't have FaceTime on the Apple Watch yet. Like seriously, Apple, come on, yeah. really? We, we can't do that yet. You can yeah. do it on, on a screen this big, but you can't do it on a little screen. Let's. Where's that update? Let's yeah. get it. 
So it, I'm sure, I'm sure things are, yeah, that th- it's just going to happen so fast and, and, uh, the demand will continue to rise. So, uh, so cool, man. Hey, it's been just so awesome to having you on, uh, really sharing your backstory, giving us some, some advice there and, and some, some things that we are seeing uh, that you're seeing out there. Uh, anything you want to leave the audience with, I'd, we'd love to know, if they, they want to check out your podcast, how are they finding that? I know you're very active on LinkedIn. So, so uh, if you can let us know where to find you and I'll drop it in the show notes, of course, but uh, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I, about three weeks ago, I reached the, the 30 K connection mark. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know, LinkedIn maxes your first level at 30,000. And then from there, people can still send you requests, but you can't accept them unless you remove somebody. Mm-hmm. So if you go, if you find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jordan J Mendoza, you can follow me. I'm happy to follow you back. And if uh, you know, a connection happens to be removed and and you're next in line you can get in it, it I feel really bad about that I don't know if that if you've seen that Frank but like your your inbox just gets flooded and you there's not a whole lot you can do besides message people back and and tell them you're you're sorry you know um, but yeah no LinkedIn's a great place I, I love creating content there I'm on Instagram at Jordan J Mendoza um, you can find my podcast anywhere you get your podcast it's blaze your own trail podcasts. And uh, I really appreciate it, Frank. Thanks for having me on the show. Anytime I can share my story and and hopefully add value, I'm happy to do it. You did exactly that. I appreciate it so much, man. Thanks again. Thanks, buddy. I want to thank everyone who took the time out of their day to listen in. If you like the show, please give it a rating. If you or someone you know would be an amazing guest on the show, head over to fivequestionswithfrank.com for more information. I'll see you next week.